Welcome to the Productivity Breakthrough Podcast. I'm Elise Enriquez, your breakthrough coach. I am known for meeting people where they are and delivering practical insights so they can be more productive. Most people hear the word productivity and they think it's all about getting things done. What actually moves us forward in life and business is getting things known, getting things prioritized, and illuminating the next steps so you can achieve the goals that matter most to you. Being truly productive means being just as okay with what's not getting done as you are with what is getting done. If you are ready to create productivity breakthroughs in your life and business, then you are in the right place. I am so glad you're here. Now, let's create some breakthroughs. Hey there, thanks for being with me this week. I'm excited to bring an expert on ADHD to you all this week. Now wait, maybe you don't have ADHD and that doesn't mean that you skip this episode. This is your opportunity to see things from a different perspective and uncover resources that could support people that you care about who do have an ADHD brain. And some of the things that we discuss are really relevant for any of us. Okay, this expert that I'm talking about is certified ADHD coach, Cindy Jobs. Cindy's passion is helping individuals with ADHD facilitate the changes necessary to create easier and more fulfilling lives. Through coaching, Cindy's clients become more productive, successful, and reliable by understanding their strengths and challenges, values, needs, and goals. She helps her clients better understand what's important to them how they may be self-sabotaging and help them develop the structures and supports that will take them from where they are to where they want to be. Now in this episode, Cindy shares her story a little bit with us and then helps us better understand the ADHD brain. I learned so much in this conversation and I hope you'll get some goodness out of it too. Enjoy. Cindy, I am so glad you're here. Thank you for joining me this week. Could you tell us more about how you spend your time these days? You know, how do you spend your days personally and professionally? Well, I um, am very fortunate to have a job that I can do from anywhere. So we, um, my husband and I split our time between a home that we have in Cleelum and a home that we have here in the Seattle area. And so we go back and forth every week. So that takes up a bit of chunk of time, but it's really, really cool because our our grandchildren are in the Seattle area. A lot of our friends and our recreation that we do is in the Cleelum area. So we have distinctly different lives kind of yeah. a, a, across the Cascades. Takes a little bit of time to do the commuting and the shuffling and that type of thing, but well, well worth it. And in addition to our two grandchildren, we have two boxers, uh, oh, one of cute. which is a little geriatric. So he takes a little bit more time these days. And the other one is not at all very geriatric. So she takes <laughs> a lot of time these days to yes. be able to keep her kind of mentally and physically stimulated. So we we lead very, very fortunate, busy lives. Yeah. I've heard people say like dogs like to have jobs, like finding the right job for your dog to keep them occupied and to give them their own little fulfillment. You know, it's, it's important. So yeah. for those of you who don't know, Cleelum is in central Washington and it is in the mountains. And so you get to be up in the mountains and get to, so that is that on the weekends then? Yeah, we actually go Wednesday night, Thursday morning and come back on Monday mornings. So we spend oh, so more cool. of our time over there than we do in the Seattle area. Um, there's just more to do. And again, I'm very fortunate. I can do my job from anywhere. So I, I spend a lot of time also taking care of my mom who lives in the Boise area. 
So between Cleelum and Seattle and Boise, we're, we're on the road quite a bit, but we do enjoy our time over there. It's, it's a markedly different climate. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, we may get sunshine over there when the Seattle area is not. And vice versa, we get a tremendous amount of snow when the Seattle area does not. So, so it's yeah, it's lots of snow. I have yeah. I have friends that live in Cleelum, and I saw some pretty crazy snow pictures this last year. So yeah, that's that's interesting. Like all of this navigating space, but you kind you have the anchor of your work in terms of like the consistency or the stability. Very yeah. cool. And then of course grandkids getting to have grandkids and dogs keeping you busy. They so, do. They do. You are an expert when it comes to ADHD coaching, uh, but that wasn't always your focus. So how is it that you have made that transition? Like how, what was your journey from where you started to where you're at now? Well, I Tell started, me your life story. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> in, in 37 seconds or less. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. I worked in corporate America for several years, 30 some odd years. And, um, I loved that. I loved the teamwork. I loved the camaraderie. And my most recent corporate position was with Macy's and we had an office in downtown Seattle. They decided to move all of their functionality basically to New York. So I lost my job. And at the time I was kind of rudderless. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So I started organizing my friends and family members because I could do that really, really well. And then one day somebody said, you know, there's actually an occupation called professional organizers. So I was like, oh my gosh, I have found my beacon. And so I joined the professional organizers group and I started going out and working with people in their homes and offices, helping them get functionally organized. And crazily, one of the first women that I worked with was diagnosed with ADHD at age 55. And we worked together for a little while and had a really, really good rapport. And at a point, she handed me a book. Uh, There's a Sari Solden is kind of the expert on women with ADHD. And she handed me this book and she said, you really need to read this. So I did. And I became uber passionate about ADHD. I do not have an ADHD brain. So it really, really, really interested me how that brain worked differently than mine. And how I could help people kind of navigate their world from an organizational perspective when they were challenged with some of the ADHD traits that get in the way. So I did that for a while and then found myself really doing more coaching than physical organizing because an organizer can come in and, you know, clean out your silverware drawers and make them all look pretty. But when they leave, they go back to being a mess if you don't know why your, right. your brain is creating that. So I started doing more coaching around the why about how an ADHD brain works. And then it's and it quickly navigated into less and less hands-on organizing and more and more coaching, which is what I'm doing now. 100% of my business is coaching via via Zoom. I don't go into people's homes anymore, but that really was the anchor for me on, on really figuring out this is a passion. You know, it was really, really a passion for me to be able to help people navigate in a world that's not, not set up for them. It's at most probably an 8% population. They're saying roughly an 8% population of ADHD brains versus not ADHD brains. So imagine trying to navigate 
in a world that's set up for 92% of the population. So it's a bit, a bit of a challenge, but I absolutely love it. You, like there's so many directions I want to head with this right now. First of all, I love when clients are put in our path like that, where it's just like, oh, right, where you get that clarity. But one of the things that you said was that you you referenced somebody who was an expert in ADHD brains and women. And so is there a big difference between men's and women's brains when it comes to ADHD? Or are there experience or traits? Um, everybody's experience or trait is different. So mm-hmm. um, the, the kind of phrase is, if you've met one person with ADHD, you've met one person with ADHD. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. It, it manifests differently for everyone. But as far as a distinction between men and women, generally women present, there's um, ADHD is kind of broken down into a few categories. There's hyperactive, there's inattentive, and then there's a combo of hyperactive and inattentive. Mm-hmm. As a very general loose rule, um, usually men show up a little bit more on the hyperactive scale and women show up a little bit more on the in- inattentive scale. And then there's combinations within both genders. So women get diagnosed a little bit later in life because they are not showing the tendencies that the medical and mental health practitioners are looking for, which is not being able to sit still and fidgeting and always having to be on the go. So generally, um, a lot of my clients actually get diagnosed when their kids get diagnosed because ADHD is highly genetic. Mm -hmm. So if you have a child with ADHD, chances are one of the biological parents also has ADHD. So it's kind of a, a, an aha moment when, when people's children get diagnosed and, and they're like, okay, that sounds like me. Okay. That sounds like me. Yeah. They're looking outside of themselves, right? Yeah. Yeah, They're like seeing this other example. So they care about so much and want to help. And then we're like, wait a second. I want that help. I want to like, wait, I might need that too. Yeah. Well, and that was the other question that that sparked for me was you said you'd mentioned the client. She was diagnosed when she was 55, right? Or you started mm-hmm. working and she, so yeah, so she was recently diagnosed around 55. And so that's why I was wondering, but you answered that question to some extent about that, that, that people, maybe not necessarily women specifically, but with the inattentive version of the ADHD brain, that's more likely to get diagnosed later, which usually includes women, right? Or is mostly represented by women. Is that um, fair to say? Yes and no. I mean, that's a very, okay. very, very general rule. Yeah, got it. Um, this woman was diagnosed a little bit later because she retired and her structure fell out from underneath her. So she had, she was an attorney and brilliant and had this tremendous structure underneath her to keep her organized, to keep her non-procrastinating, to keep her priorities. And then when that structure went away, she didn't realize what was going on. And so one of the challenges with an ADHD brain is lack of organization, time management, prioritization. Mm -hmm. So you have someone who is very highly structured, brilliant, can do anything. No one looks at them and says, oh, they probably have ADHD. But then when they lose that structure, it's like, oh, there's something else going on here. I wonder what that could possibly be. Yeah. So it's, it, it manifests people, people identify it at different points in their lives. Her child didn't manifest ADHD traits, mm-hmm. so she never looked into it. But then when she lost that structure, she was brilliant enough to know there's something else going on here. I need to pursue it. Yes, that's really interesting because it could be a loss of structure like that because you've retired or 
or you make a choice to become a business owner or something, right? Mm-hmm. You, you move into entrepreneurship and all of a sudden, all of the, all of the kind of external accountability and structure and support has gone away. And now it's on you to, to make that happen and to put it in place. Yeah. So, yeah. And, that, and that's something I've actually noticed in, in my work is that I have a program where it's developing a productivity system, right? Where I help people create their systems to support them. And it was interesting. I had a couple people where I was just like, this is just, they're not taken to this. They're like, this is not, no matter what we do and how I approach it, because I take it from a very customized perspective. We have a model that we work off of, right? But the actual implementation is is as customized as possible. And there were there was no like angle I could come at it for them. And later, both of them disclosed uh, either a diagnosis, uh, an ADHD diagnosis they had not shared ahead of time. Or just the awareness, like later they were realizing, and I think it was their grandchild, um, watching their grandchild go through the process of being diagnosed was going, wait, what's happening? And oh my gosh, that's me. And now it's working on, she has, she doesn't have a formal diagnosis yet, but she's working on figuring out what's going on. And so I think that's really important for people to understand is like, not every tool is going to, or not every approach, not every tool is going to work for everyone. So what is it specifically about the kind of work that you do that makes it so keyed in for folks with that ADHD brain? Recognizing that everybody's ADHD manifests differently, as I said earlier. So I, um, time management is really a challenge for a lot of my clients. One of the things about an ADHD brain is there is a very loose association with time. There's also very loose association with past, present, and future. So for an ADHD brain, what I'm doing now is what I'm doing now. And what I should be doing maybe in an hour and a half isn't even on the radar. And what I should be doing in three weeks certainly isn't on the radar. And sometimes I forget that faux pas that I did last week doesn't come back to me and I do it again. Mm. So the biggest challenge that I work with with my clients is time awareness, prioritization, structure. So we can, a non-ADHD brain can probably pretty reliably remember we need to go pick up our kids after soccer practice. Right. So I need to leave the house at five in order to be able to pick up my kids at soccer practice by 530. An ADHD brain is like, it doesn't even, it doesn't occur, doesn't come up. It doesn't come up at the right time. So For these types of structure challenges, what I work a lot with my clients on is how do we set up our environments for success because our brains aren't reliable enough to do it. Mm -hmm. So how do we set up um, alarms, reminders? What is it that they need to do structurally to process through their to-do list? What's the right planner for their brain? I mean, a lot of us use you know, our eye calendars. Well, that doesn't work for a lot of my clients because it's not enough of a visual reminder for them. So we go through the process of, you know, what are the environmental pieces that we can put together to keep you going down the path that you want to be going down because your brain isn't going to be a reliable processing point for you. So figuring out how to support each individual brain But some of my clients, their challenge is in time management, uh, allocating the correct amount of time to the things, but their transitions to go pick up their kids from soccer is not a problem. Mm -hmm. So 
again, working very prescriptively with each client on where their challenges are and how we can close the gap between, I got this nail and, oh boy, I, I need some help. So that's really, that's really closing that gap. So they, their structure and their environment becomes more reliable for them mm-hmm. to be able to get to the success that they want to get to. I love, I love how you're talking about the fact or the way you talk about it is that like their brains just don't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think at like a core premise for me in my work is our brains are, are really aren't great for holding a lot of things, right. And reminding us of a lot of things. And so I, and I think that's a, a piece that people haven't accepted <laughs> yet. They don't really, they, they want to keep counting on them. Right. And so that there's almost like a spectrum of, of ability in that perhaps, you know, but then there's also the different levels of ability and just creating that structure for yourself or using tools to do that for yourself then. So I can imagine that even though I don't think all, I don't think any brain is really great at some of those things. It can be easy to kind of compare yourself though, right? If so, if if you have an ADHD brain to look at, you know, even someone like me, like I have somebody, somebody like who was part of a a free thing that I did. They're like, you're the most organized person I know. I'm like, I'm not that, like to me, I think I'm not that organized, right? I just, I like organizing stuff, but I just, because it comes, you know, quote unquote, naturally to me. But that person, like what I worry about is like, I don't want anybody to feel bad when they look at something I'm doing and and vice versa. So how do you handle, how do you help people with that kind of comparison thing that can happen, that compare and despair we say a lot in the coaching world, but also just the acceptance, like the acceptance of what your brain does and doesn't do very well. I always tell everyone that I meet, whether they're ADHD brains or not, your brain is built for survival. That's mm-hmm. its job is to keep mm-hmm. you alive. It's to tell you to run from the tiger that comes out of the bushes. It is not meant as a filing cabinet. It is not meant as an internal calendar. That's not its job. Its job is to keep you alive, to remind you to run from threats and to eat and to drink and to get some sleep. It's not meant to run your life. So the minute that we say to ourselves, whether we have an ADHD brain or not, I'll remember to do that. <laughs> it's possibly a lie. Okay, and, everybody, and if anybody stopped listening for a second at any point, I want you to come back. Cindy, please say that again. Everybody yeah. needs to hear that because it's, oh my gosh, it's so true. It's And and, and a non-ADHD brain possibly is a little bit better at being able to retrieve things out of the filing cabinet. But an ADHD brain is like, if it's not right in front of me, it doesn't yeah. exist. So yeah. number one, normalizing our brains aren't built to do the stuff that we're asking it to do these days. Mm-hmm. No one's brain can do it. No. Yeah. And no one's brain can. No. And yes, maybe your brain does it not even as well as a non ADHD brain. So that's even more important to come up with these environmental structures. And I, I tell people all the time that, you know, when we compare, you know, we're, we're basically taking away from ourselves. We're not, mm. we're not looking at our own strengths. We're looking at someone else's strengths. And that's that whole, we're comparing our insides to someone else's outsides. Mm-hmm. We're comparing what we're feeling and thinking to what someone else is showing us. And that person who looks uber organized or who always shows up for things on time with the right number of cupcakes, they may have some mm-hmm. support and structure that we don't see. All we right. see is them walking in with 24 beautifully decorated cupcakes. We don't see how hard that was for them or what support structure or teamwork or the fact that they just went to the grocery store and bought them. 
we don't see that. All we see mm-hmm. is the manifestation of what we believe their perfection is. And then we compare ourselves or our insides that are really struggling to even remember to go to the grocery store to buy cupcakes. Yeah. So it's really hard when we when we compare ourselves to someone else, we're really taking away from our abilities in the moment because we probably do something way better than that other person does. We're just Absolutely. not seeing it right now. <laughs> I, I love that. When we compare, we are taking away from ourselves. That, I, that is brilliant. I've never heard it phrased that way before. And I think, I think that's absolutely brilliant. It, it is. It is this deduction and, and the whole insides and outsides things, especially I think in this time in history with social media and all of those things of, you know, people get to see a curated view of people's lives. And sometimes people make an effort to curate where they show the messy reality too, right? And so I, I always am happy to see that kind of stuff. And I try to make sure I do that too. And a lot, there is a lot of, that isn't showing that. And so, yeah, yeah, that comparison, that comparison part can be hard. So you were saying like being able to help normalize that no brain is, is great at doing that and then helping them understand like that it hurts you to compare. Like you're, then you're kind of missing out on your own genius too, right? You are. And that the cool thing about an ADHD brain is that if you're in a crisis, go find someone with an ADHD brain. Yeah. Because ADHD brains are very divergent thinkers. They can come up with a million different ways to solve a problem. Maybe most of them can't work for one reason or another, but they're constantly coming up with different options and, and seeing things that a non ADHD brain doesn't see. A non-ADHD brain generally is more of a convergent thinker. It's I'm focusing on the problem and I then there must only be one solution to this problem. So I need to go find that one solution. A divergent thinker is going to come up with 25 different solutions and hopefully one of them or maybe three or four of them will, will work. And it's being able to do that divergent thinking and looking at a problem from 30,000 feet and seeing all of these different options that ADHD brains are really, really good at. But a lot of times, you know, you brought up something that um, I want to kind of circle back to. Sure. There's a lot of withholding and shame in the ADHD community because for so long, you know, you think about when you're in first or second grade and you come up with these 15 different ways to solve a problem, 11 of which were never going to work, but you came up with them anyway. And then you were like, okay, that's never going to work. That was silly. Why why did you ever think that 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 would work? So then we start building up all of these opportunities for people to shut down their brilliance because mm-hmm. for all along the way, people have looked at them and said, that's, that's crazy pants. Why are you thinking that way? And people start to withhold because they don't want to be shamed when in actuality, that's where we get our brilliance is thinking right. outside of the box. We think differently. You know, we, we apply different methodologies. Yeah. Some of them are going to work. Some of them aren't going to work, whatever, you know, that's that trial and error. But a lot of times, a lot of my clients are really adverse to decision-making because they've made so many decisions that are, didn't work out Mm -hmm. that and other people remind them of their decisions that didn't work out. And so they, they don't give themselves the opportunity to really try new things or to make a decision about something because they don't want to be wrong because they've been shamed for being wrong. Right. Where a lot of uh, non-ADHD brains can kind of roll with it a little bit more or they didn't put themselves out there being vulnerable. So nobody knew that they had all these thoughts and decisions 
that they might have been shamed of, but they never came out of their mouths. So right. yeah, so they, yeah, yeah, they were something they can kind of test and try, you know, quietly yeah. or on their own. And and it sounds like even that kind of test and trial mentality is a part of your work in terms of being you were saying being highly prescriptive and what how you're going to do things right and how what you guys are going to try that I have to imagine it takes like okay we're going to try this this week and how did that go and then we're going to try right yeah and, and I I appreciate you bringing that up because it's all experimentation the work mm-hmm. of coaching as you as you yes. have experienced too the work of coaching <laughs> happens between the coaching appointments. It's mm-hmm. all of that experimentation, trial and error, field work, whatever you want to call it, where we say, hmm, sounds like this might work. Let's give it a go. And then you find out, okay, parts of that worked really well. Parts of it didn't work really well. So I have a brief little story I'll tell about a, a gentleman who was really struggling getting out of the house on time. And so he needed to get out of the house by 7.45 in order to get to work, to meet with his team and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he just couldn't make it happen. So over the course of a few weeks, the trial and error got to the point where he needed to have five alarms that moved him from one room to another so he wouldn't get sidetracked and distracted. So he had an alarm at the bedside. He had one in the bathroom. He had one in the kitchen. He had one in the living room. And he also had one at the back door. So that's what he needed to do in order to make sure that from the time his alarm went off to when he got out the door, he made all of these transitions in a timely fashion. We didn't come up with that day one. Right. We came up with that over a few. Yeah, because how could you, how could you know that's what, even if that had worked for another client, how could you know, right? Yeah. 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 And, and so when we, when I talk about a prescriptive coaching method, and again, whether it's an ADHD brain or not, all of my right. clients have presented as ADHD um, brains. It, again, like you just said, that may work for that client. And then another client would be like, no, I don't, I, I don't want to have alarms going off all over my house because I live with roommates. I can't make that happen. Um, so we talk a lot about what's possible when we, when we see this gap between where we are and we want to be, what, what's possible to, to bridge that gap? Is it five alarms? Five alarms? That's cool. If it's, you know, I can set one, you know, I have another client that wanted to exercise. So she put her exercise gear in her bathroom sink. Well, she wasn't going to be able to like get up, use the restroom and wash her hands without going, oh, that's right. I wanted to exercise today. But if you live with somebody else who needs to use that sink, probably not a great plan. So we look at what are the environmental structures that we can put in place that's possible with your particular situation. So it's all very, very prescriptive. And again, we didn't come up with the put your put your exercise stuff in the sink day one. Mm-hmm. You know, we tried a couple other things, but I have had other clients that I told that story to that they did that the first time and voila, they're yeah, now like, okay, now I got it. <laughs> so sometimes <laughs> yeah. it does work and sometimes it doesn't. Well and I I love the the concept of of, you know, our coaching sessions are our time for theorizing, right? We're like, sounds like this. And it's so funny because I, that's the language at the end of a lot of my session, my one-on-one sessions is, okay, what experiment are you going to run this week? Yeah. Right. What experiment are you going to run? Because it is true. This is how we find things out. Yeah. So I could imagine that other people, cause I, well, I'll just be honest. A little part of me said, whoa, five alarms. Jeez. Right. Like there was this little like quick judgment in my head. Cause I, because I don't need that. Well, I don't have an ADHD brain, right? Yeah. And so 
I love how matter of fact you are because the strange thing is if I was in your shoes, like as a coach, I wouldn't judge. I'd be like, okay, let's figure this out. Five alarms. That sounds great. Right. But as a listener just now, even I just had this little like flash of judgment through my head that I have to imagine other people have. And so that finding that self-acceptance, I have to imagine is a lot of work that you're doing with people to be able to just say, yeah, so you need this, like, just give yourself what you need. Cause that's one of the, that's a phrasing I use a lot is like, you know, you need it. Let's just give that to yourself and not judge it. Right. Right. But then there's the outside world that judges too. Is, does that come up in your coaching conversations? Oh, it comes up frequently because as a society, I I believe we tend to be a bit more judgers than we, than, than probably is healthy. Um, and I, my clients judge themselves possibly more than other people are actually judging them. You know, it's mm-hmm. that spotlight theory that we always think people are paying more attention to us than they really are. And so any of our little idiosyncrasies or errors or the spinach in our teeth, we're assuming that everybody else is focused on that when in reality, yeah. they're not. So being able to distinguish what's true, you know, is it, you know, and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, my, my boss is judging me. My boss is mad at me because I didn't turn the report in on time. Okay, what's the data that supports that? What's the data that says that your boss is angry? Did he come in and yell at you? Did he send you a a write-up? Well, no, I just know that he's upset. Okay. What let's let's explore that. You know, what is it that tells you that he's upset? Have you asked him? No, 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 no. So we're judging ourselves a lot of times without the data to support the fact that we think other people are judging us. And I think again, that's a ADHD brain or not, we probably, most of us internalize the negativity way more than the universe is actually even recognizing it. So to be able to step back and ask the question, what is it that you, what's the data? What's the reality that is telling you that this negativity, that this shame, that this judgment is actually happening? Mm-hmm. And then when you think about it, it's like, oh yeah, I guess my boss doesn't even ask for, for the report. So I, maybe he's not mad about it, you know, whatever it might be. But the shame cycle, again, I don't think it is um, only an ADHD brain that does this, but the shame cycle is pretty strong because mm-hmm. we are, we are very, very critical of ourselves. And in reality, there are times when an ADHD brain has gotten itself into trouble by forgetting to pick up kids at soccer at 5.30, that there is a little bit of judgment from mm-hmm. those around us, from other stakeholders, that we have to build that trust back up again. Mm-hmm. And that's the piece that I like to work the most on is, yep, you forgot to pick the kids up, or yep, you forgot to turn that report in, and yep, you forgot to send out the agenda for the meeting. Cool. Can't go back. Let's figure out what we need to do to go forward so it happens less. Mm -hmm. And I think there's the other piece of it is people are like, okay, well, if I build these environmental structures, then I can never make a mistake. If only. (laughs) If only. That's exactly right. If only. If only. Yeah. He is, are you making less of them? Are you better than you were yesterday? You know, are you more reliable than you were? last week? And if the answer to that is yes, awesome. If the answer to that is, I don't think so. What's the data to support that? Mm -hmm. And if there is data to support that, 
what do we need to do differently? What process mm-hmm. needs to change? Because we're not changing your brain. We're just not yep. doing it. So what's the process that we need to change? What's the environment that we need to change in order to be able to move you forward and reduce some of that guilt, anxiety, depressive tendencies, whatever it might be, that's in that big gunny sack that you're carrying around with you that's super weighty. Um, What is it that we can do in order Mm -hmm. to reduce that? We're not going to eliminate it. All of us are going to be late. All of us are going to forget something. All of us are going to turn in a report that's not 100% accurate, but our goal is to be better than we were before. Yeah, I love that. The way I sometimes will say it is, you know, and it's everywhere. I'm not, I, I didn't coin it, but progress, not perfection, right? And right. so I love that that's the measurement because uh, my the name of my productivity program is called Get Your Shit Together. And so when I screw up, right? And I don't have it. I miss an appointment or I whatever because I, I have these times where I'm convinced I, tr- I decide to trust my brain for some reason, even though I've built a bonus brain that holds everything else. Like that's the whole thing that I do is I help people build a bonus brain. Yeah. It only works if you look at it. It only works if you use it. Right. And so every once in yeah. a while, I convince myself that I know exactly what's going on and I'm off by 15 minutes or a half an hour. Right. Yeah. And suddenly I have a text from somebody going and I it, I say I would do it probably it used to be like once a quarter. Now it's a couple times a year, right? So I've made progress, right? But like even having all these systems in place, right? Even having somebody that said, oh my God, you're the most organized person I know. I'm like, I have lots in place to support me, but I'm still human, right? Like we're still, like you said, going to turn in a report with an error on it. We're still going to be late for something. It's still going to happen because we're human beings, like live in life. That's just how it's going to be. I love, yeah. I love that that's, that's the measurement is progress not being perfect and being error free and always, you know, being almost robotic. <laughs> and your organizational structure probably came about over time. Oh my gosh, years. You know, it, it, it didn't happen years. immediately. And, and that's, and it was trial and error of, and it was experiments. Of, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And a lot of coaching clients think that, okay, you're going to tell me what to do and it's all going to be good. And most coaching practices, coaches don't tell their clients what to do. No, nope. they partner with them and say, you know, let's see what our options are. And to your point, what do you want to experiment with? You know, after we're done in between, we talk next time, what do you want to experiment with? Because the moment that a coach starts telling someone what to do, then our clients aren't engaging with what's possible for them if we're not around. And, you know, people always say, gosh, you know, how long do you keep your clients? And I said, my clients stay with me as long as they need to in order to be able to operate without me. And the day that they can operate without me is the day that we celebrate because mm-hmm. they become reliant upon themselves, not, okay, well, I better see what Cindy's going to tell me to do this week. That's not my job. Mm-hmm. My right. job is to help them be able to use the resources and strengths that they have to be able to manage their lives in a different way than when they came into the coaching partnership, but on their own. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the beauty for me in especially working with ADHD brains, because I I didn't 100% work with ADHD brains when I started my coaching business. But the eureka moments that my clients have now are just so gratifying because they realize there's a, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and I am strong and I am resilient and I have a lot of strengths and I have a lot of abilities. I've got this. I only needed someone to help me show, show me where the path was. 
and now I'm on the path and I'm, I'm rocking and rolling. So I get a little teary eyed sometimes when I think about the clients yeah. that have left the practice, because that's what we want them to do. I miss them terribly, yeah. but I want them to leave my practice. Right. I love that. That so I feel like we got to wrap it on that because that was such that was such a high note. It because it is it's, it is the the hopefulness in in the work that you get to do, right? The hopefulness you get to create in people and the autonomy that gets built and just that feeling of like I can do this. I got this. I love that. So if somebody was listening to this and they were like, "Oh, man, I think I need Cindy or I need to understand more. Cindy, can you tell me more about all this? How how is the best way for them to reach you? Well, if somebody wants to learn more about ADHD, and that's really the key is education and understanding, mm-hmm. because a, a lot of people don't understand it. I didn't understand it until I met that client. I didn't even know it existed until I met that client. And then I became kind of ravenous about learning. So on my website, which is cindyjobs.com, there is a tab of resources. And it's authors, um, YouTubers, podcasters that I know, like, and trust. And I know that their information is solid. So if you're curious about ADHD, go to the resources tab, take a look at it. Um, If you have additional questions or if you're interested in coaching, uh, there's a contact me on my website or you can email me at cindy at cindyjobs.com. And I am passionate about this. So I I like to spread the word as much as I can and I'm happy to help however I can help. Well, that is exactly why I asked you to join us because when you and I got to meet and and talk, I was just like, I could, I could feel your passion. I could see your passion. And I, like I said, I have some folks with ADHD in my life where I just was like, they need you. I want them to have Cindy. (laughs) And so I was like, well, I want to share you with as many people as I can. So thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us. That was so helpful. And I hope that Anybody out there listening, whether you think you have ADHD, whether you're diagnosed or or not, I hope I want you to think about what is the one thing you you learned out of this. And especially for the folks who don't have ADHD, aren't familiar with it, I just feel like there's a lot here. So take a re-listen because I think it's it's good for us to understand and appreciate and respect the differences in others so that we can do better and how we work with each other. So I love thank that. You so I love that. Un- understanding is powerful. Is very, absolutely very powerful. powerful. Well, this was awesome. I'm, I'm honored that you contacted me to do this. And I, I, I hope someone gets one little nugget comes out of it for someone, then our work is done. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Man, I loved talking with Cindy about all of this. Her expertise paired with her passion and compassion make her a brilliant ADHD coach. And I really feel like she talked about some universal concepts like time awareness. This is something that I talk a lot about with my clients is being realistic about the time you have. She talked about prioritization, which goes hand in hand with time awareness. When you realize how much time you actually have in your day, it's easier to prioritize what you want to get done. She talked about setting up your environments for success. This is a big one that I talk about a lot, telling people, you know, make sure to give yourself what you need, whatever that is. Don't judge what you need. Just give yourself what you need. Focusing on progress, not perfection. Of course, you know, I love that one. And then also our brains are not meant to be filing cabinets. Oh, you know how strongly I feel about this one. That's why in my GIST program, I help people build a bonus brain. But the one that really got me was when we compare, so when we compare ourselves to other people, we are taking away from ourselves. And that means we and the rest of the world miss out on our own genius. 
So speaking of your own genius, I asked Cindy to come up with the question of the week for you. That's right. It is time for the question of the week. Are you ready? Here it is. What strengths do you have that can be leveraged for success? Be sure to head on over to Productivity Breakthrough on Instagram and share your answer with us. Finally, I want to check in with you on something. Did you relate to a lot of the traits and behaviors that Cindy outlined about people with the ADHD brain? Life with ADHD can be a challenge. And Cindy believes that education, structure, and support are the key to creating, or the keys, I should say, to creating an easier, more fulfilling life, both at work and at home. So if you did connect a lot with the way Cindy was describing the ADHD brain, be sure to reach out to her at her website, cindyjobs.com for more information and support. Okay, that is all for this week. I'm looking forward to sharing with you again next week. Until then, keep moving forward what matters most. Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Productivity Breakthrough Podcast. Did you have a breakthrough today? Write to me and let me know. You can reach me, revisit anything we covered today, or uncover free resources over at EliseEnriquez.com. And if you know of other leaders in life and business who would appreciate a little help with their productivity breakthroughs, I'd love it if you'd share this podcast with them. And finally, remember to hit subscribe or follow so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.